0: Amen. Hey, once again, we are back in
1: action in our study, World Religions, Cults, and the Occult. Bobby's not here. Who's going to be the new person? It is Jim. Hey, give it for Jim. Jim, what is it? Number 13. Hey, give it for Jim for trying, but I wasn't there yet, Jim. I was looking for number 13 is... Charismatic chaos. Now give it up for Jim. You get it twice in one day. That's right. Charismatic chaos. The untold history of the charismatic movement. Now, hey, by way of uh, recap, we've already dealt with the disclaimer. I'm not saying everybody who's charismatic is involved in the occult, but so many things are going in that direction. We got to deal with it. Then we saw that the movement itself is nothing new that was dealt with uh, in the apostolic age or early in the church. And uh, the, the gibberish what well, is touted as uh, the gift of languages. Uh, is nothing new that's been going on for a long time, especially even with the occult as well Then we dealt extensively on the issue of spiritual gifts Which of course the gift of tongues slash languages is one of them and then we saw when do we get the gifts? At salvation then we saw who gives the gifts God so you can take a class you can do all this and learn this technique go to this conference buy this thing and it don't matter You get if you're born again Christian you got the gifts at salvation that and it's not going to change How do I know you got to try you got to pray if anybody wants you to know don't you think it's God? I call that a no-brainer prayer. Give me a break. He'll let you know. You just got to try. And then, of course, what are the gifts? Okay, we saw that some are permanent and then the some are temporary. Now, then we got into the next big section, the aberrant behavior. How many you guys realize that aberrant is not a good thing? It's a big giant word you might find in jeopardy but hey it basically means not good not good bad behavior okay and this is the things that they would say and would try to convince you and I that this is behavior that you and I need to be a part of because it's so spiritual especially in the last days and if we're not engaged in this behavior then we're missing the latest movement of God to usher in you know whatever and then what we saw is basically they would have you and I believe that we need to be involved in things called slain in the spirit or drunk in the spirit or grave soaking or grave sucking whichever you want to say angel feathers remember that one it was a Chicken feather. Remember that? Yeah. Right. Uh, gold and jewel manifestations. Remember that? Gold dust was supposed to be coming down. And we saw the video, of the lady who admitted that she was the one who went to Hobby Lobby and got the fine glitter and dumped it at the appropriate time through the ventilation system give me a break and then the so-called glory crowd and what we saw is unfortunately this is not just leading people astray it's keeping them and dare I say this is a lot of my premise that goes out to the charismatic community all these things are being touted as what we need to be spending our time on as a Christian not the Word of God the Word of God is where you become a disciple methetes a disciplined learner of what slain in the spirit drunk in the spirit no that's all an emotional experience the way that you grow up as a Christian is you get in into the Word of God and by and large this is the bulk of your so-called Christian service and you're not really getting into the Word of God certainly not in a systematic study or if you do get in the Word of God it just reinforces all this stuff and so you're in this endless vicious cycle that frankly I would say keeps you as a baby Christian and it's sad it's unfortunate so my heart goes out to that. So they would have us believe that's true. It's not. We saw it's either chicanery, it's either learned behavior, or it's flat-out spiritual manipulation. And a lot of these things are being done on people to bilk them out. of typically rhymes with... Cash, okay? And we're going to see that again, unfortunately, tonight. We also know that it's not God's spirit because none of these things, even though they want to tout and twist Scripture, it is not supported by the Scripture. And this is not of God's spirit because uh, it can't be of God's spirit because God doesn't contradict himself. He's not going to contradict the the Word of God that is inspired by the Spirit of God. Okay? It is not God through and through. It can't be. Now, we said all that to get to this. Now we're into the aberrant. We went from the behavior. Now we're getting into the aberrant beliefs okay, of the charismatic movement. Now, these are typically the things that also come along uh, with the charismatic community, okay? I'm not saying every single one of these that I'm going to bring up over the next many several studies, Lord willing, is going to be 100% every single charismatic church, but by and large, these are typically ones that you're going to find in that camp, right? The first one uh, that we're going to deal with tonight, and frankly, the only one, I got into it much deeper than I was expecting, and I don't think it's a bad thing. We need to cover this because even Protestant non charismatic churches are falling for this okay and it's being touted across their nation and the first aberrant belief is there's such a thing as a female pastor okay a female pastor talk about a hot button topic okay Ron I get choked up too thinking about it too and it's just amazing uh, how many people have different opinions on this aspect so female pastors right now uh, maybe that's politically correct but is it biblically correct not even close, folks. And it, it's saying you can't say, well, that's uh, your interpretation is some southern Hebrew, you know, uh, funky Greek in the Norwegian language that only... No, it's plain in the scripture, multitude of places, okay? Let's start with the first one tonight, 1 Timothy 2, okay? 1 Timothy 2, does God allow for females uh, to be pastors, okay? 1 Timothy chapter 2, 11-14, and let's take a look at this text here. And if you find 2 Timothy, what do you do? Hang it left. You find Third Timothy, what do you do? You chuck it. It's not in the Bible. There. Right now. How many of you guys, when you were growing up as a Christian, I'm stalling time, you actually fell for the book of Hezekiah, and you look for it? Remember that? Did anybody fall for the book of second opinions? You know you did. But anyway, I'm, why don't you turn to the book of liars, okay? Because that's what's going on right now. So, no. <laughs> I right, stalled enough time. Let's take a look there. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2. Uh, Let's take a look there. Verse 11, right? Now, here's something you're going to find on a bumper sticker. Yeah, I seriously doubt it, right? Uh, A woman should learn in quietness and full submission. In verse 12, Paul's very specific. He says, I do not what? Permit a woman to teach or to have, here's the issue, authority over a man. Well, what does a pastor have in the church? Authority over who? Everybody, not just Women, not just children, but men. That's part of being a pastor, the whole congregation, all the sheep, right? So Paul says, I do not uh, permit that, is what he says there over man. She must be silent. Now, why? Well, he goes back to, this is nothing new. This is part of God's creation order. He goes back to the Genesis account. Uh, Verse 13, for Adam was formed first, then Eve, and Adam was not the one deceived. It was the woman who was deceived and became a sinner. Okay, and that's God's creation order. So he goes back to God's word, telling us this isn't just some aberrant thing. Okay, but it's very clear there, folks, that you, uh, what does God's word say about a woman having authority, which means a pastor, okay, uh, being, uh, can a woman be a pastor? No, I didn't say it, who did? So, and people, oh, you're just being sexist, or you're anti, excuse me? I'm just quoting the Bible. Are you gonna say that God is anti-sex, he, I don't recommend saying that. I'm just quoting the Bible. But it's not. Okay, but typically, this is what goes along in the charismatic community that they are all about female pastors. And as we're going to see, even female so called apostles and prophetesses and all that. What? okay that's uh, in, in fact it's a big part of their heritage now we haven't got to the history section yet but let me bring up a, a couple ones now uh, back at the turn of the last century uh, that helped to spur on the charismatic movement wasn't just men but it was men, women that they elevated to uh, a big high position of course here's one here Amy simple McPherson okay was a big proponent of much of the charismatic movement and teachings today Okay, in our country. Uh, then came this lady, Catherine Kuhlman. Now, who do you see off over there on to the other side? Benny Hinn. We'll eventually get to this, Lord willing. I've talked about this before, but uh, she was his big uh, uh, protege, or she, he was. I mean, he got his techniques, a lot of them, from her. And remember, I even quoted in a previous study that he went to this lady's gravesite and felt the anointing and all that stuff, and yeah, that's okay. So that's who she is. Uh, Another one, a little bit more modern day, uh, is this lady, Marilyn Hickey. Now listen to this quote. If you have Jesus in your heart, you also have miracles of healing within your hands. And it's back to that issue. Uh, If people really had the gift of uh, uh, healing, uh, the biblical gift is of 100% healing all the time, every single time. All right, now can God still heal today? Absolutely, of course he can. But the specific gift of healing that was given for the apostles at that particular time, okay, was 100% of the time. And if these people really had this gift, then you certainly wouldn't be charging people to come and get disposed supposed healing from your supposed gift of healing. That's, that's crazy, okay? And number two, you're the most incompassionate people or uncompassionate people on the planet because you should be going to every single hospital, every infirmary, and laying hands every single time and raising people for the glory of God, you know, out of sickness and cancer and stuff. You know how much God would be glorified? Why aren't you doing that? Why are you making money off of it? Well, it's because you don't have it. Uh, is my premise okay? Uh, but Marilyn Hickey, I got to uh, bring that up again. This lady, I, I got to deal with this. And, and and the Lord willing, the next study is going to be on this prosperity gospel thing. Have you heard that? We've talked about that a little bit. The whole study is going to be on that probably. But I want to give you an idea of this lady being elevated to this position. She's still going on out there today, okay? But it's not just that's bad enough. But the stuff that's coming out of the mouth, man, is just crazy. Okay, but this, again, is what you get typically in that charismatic movement. Now, she has basically, again, uh, she's in the the camp of what's called the prosperity gospel, which is not the gospel, okay? You can call it a prosperity scam or whatever you want. But listen, it's all about that God somehow, the reason why Jesus came, the reason why he died on the cross is so that you and I can be perfectly wealthy and totally healthy all the time. Which me to me, I think, is very hilarious because if you look at pictures of every single one of these people who promote this 20 years ago, and then you look at their modern day pictures, do you know what's happening to them? Apparently they're losing their faith. Not yeah, their faces, they're losing their f- faith. Because if you had enough faith and you had perfect health, why is your face falling off? Well, it's called it happens to all of us. Right? You get old. I don't care. You can faith all you want. You're going to get old. Your body's going to decay. It's going to fall apart. Last time I checked, you're all going to... If the rapture doesn't happen, we're going to die from some disease, including you. has nothing to do with you You just don't have enough faith. Every one of those guys are going to die. And the ones who uh, preached it in the past, guess what? They're dead. It's going to happen. Right? We don't like to think about it, but it's going to happen. Again, as the one amazing man said, I'm going to personally make it the last thing I do let's move on so Marilyn Hickey now listen to what she says here she says listen it's about money money and health. it's all about that that's why Jesus came quote what do you need she's asking the question to the audience or whatever what do you need she's telling herself to them I need money you get up before a bunch of people and that's the big thing that's what's gonna encourage you it's all about money I need money you need money right she says, well, here's what you do. Start creating it. Start speaking about it. Start speaking it into being. Speak to your billfold. Say, you big, thick billfold full of money. Speak to your checkbook. Say, you checkbook, you've never been so prosperous since I owned you. You're just jam full of money. Yeah, you're jam full of heresy. How sad that is. You wonder why the lost think that, man, every time I go to church services, all they want is my... I wonder why. When these people, that's all your whole focus. And you even admit it, I want money you got to be kidding me. Uh, oh, but then again, here comes the gimmick. So it's not just, you know, because you need to keep the money flowing in if you're going to be these millionaires that these people are living these lavish lifestyles. Okay, you got to have some sort of a gimmick to keep it coming in. She is selling <coughs> anointed, because uh, anointed red rubber bands. Now notice the key word there is anointed, because it's not a red rubber band. It's an anointed red rubber band. Say that five times real fast, right? Anointed red rubber band on the wrist, for, and you wear it, on the wrist for seven days and she'll only charge you for that red rubber band ten dollars i can get a thousand at walmart for a buck right (laughs) and now in the past she's also offered uh blessed pennies miracle carrot seeds and magical healing claws if you give her some money of course Uh, one guy says this faith teachers such as Robert Tilton we'll get to him eventually and his female counterpart this lady again Marilyn Hickey uh, as you can see there have managed to exceed even their predecessors outrageous ploys okay Uh, they're basically following along line of people, and they just keep getting more slick and adventurous as they go, unfortunately. Uh, Oral Roberts, A.A. Allen, and again, we'll get into this in the history aspect. Uh, They even come up with even crazier things. Marilyn Hickey, much like Tilton, employs a broad range of tactics to manipulate followers into sending her money. Among her ploys are not just the anointed red rubber bands that you can get at Walmart at a much greater lower price uh, she listen. she does this she has anointed prayer cloths listen ceremonial breastplates and ropes that can be used as points of contact in fact in one of her appeal letters Hickey promises she will slip into a ceremonial breastplate herself and then she will press your prayer request to her heart <laughs> and place your request on her shoulders <laughs> after a suggested donation for the most part, he says, Hickey's tricks and teachings are recycled from other prosperity peddlers. Uh, some people call them prosperity pimps. I think that's appropriate, too. Uh, but, like, uh, not just Tilton, but uh, Kenneth uh, Hagen and Kenneth uh, Copeland and those people as well. Uh, of course, they have their jargon, you know, say, it's, it's not just faith. It's a God kind of faith. No, it's heretical. And that's not the, even the biblical definition of faith. Your version of faith is basically uh, Hinduism, New Age. And things of that nature. It's, it's unfortunate. Uh, they say confession brings possession. Uh, receiving follows giving. Really. So the only way that God will ever bless me is if I give him money. Don't think so. How many of you guys, God has blessed you and you never cut a check? Can I tell you something? The fact that you're still taking a breath today, and myself, he's blessing you. Aren't you glad that you don't have to cut a check for every breath? Turn to someone and say, I'd be broke. There <laughs> Ain't enough money in the world. Uh, it's crazy, but it gives that idea. It's a false impression of God, but it's also a false teaching as well. Uh, now, I've said this before, but again, same lady right here. Once again, Marilyn Hickey. right? Uh, and again, these are ladies that are being touted uh, in the charismatic community. Here's her phrase. I've said it before about not just perfect wealth, but perfect health. She says this, again, again, it's positive confession. You speak into existence what you want. Well, again, that's Hinduism, right? Repeating your mantra, your word phrase over and again to create your own reality. New Age, I came out of that. That's a, a creative visualization that you have the godlike power within you to create your own reality. Well, that's all they've done. They put Christianese on it. But she says this, say to your body, your whole body, why you just function so beautifully and so well. Why, body, you never have any problems. You're a strong, healthy body. Or speak to your leg, speak to your foot, speak to your neck, speak to your back. And once you've uh, spoken and believe that you've received, uh, don't go back on it. Now, is that an intended pun? Back on it, when you speak to your back, Mary? Did you get that one? I, I fell, uh, yeah. She says, speak to your wife, speak to your husband, speak to your circumstances, speak faith to them, and create in them, and God will create what you are speaking. No, he won't. No, he's not your butler. He's not your slave. He's God. He'll do whatever he wants to do. And you need to have a much more humbler attitude. He's not there at your beck and call. He loves us, but come on. God is not some cosmic uh, sugar daddy in the sky. He's not some cosmic Santa Claus, okay? Okay, he'll bless us. He'll take care of us. But this is a false gospel, a false heretical teachings. That's just one. I had to kick that because... That was just in the lineup. Now, another very popular female that's touted today in the charismatic community is this lady, Joyce Myers. And probably once we get again to the history, I know I keep teasing you with that, but after we get through the uh, aberrant belief section, which will take a little while, Lord William, we're going to get into the history finally. We'll get into uh, what's going on with her as well. But the one I want to focus on tonight, because she's being touted across our nation, is this lady, Paula White. Okay, Paula White is not just Paula White. But according to the biography, she is an American non-denominational pastor. Oops, what? What did we just see in God's word? Right? Now, if you notice there, she's not supposed a pastor, but she's the, quote, senior pastor of New Destiny Center in Florida, a multicultural megachurch. She hosts a show called Paula White Today, and you can see there who she's seated with. President Trump. Why? she had nothing to do she just took a wrong turn in Albuquerque and well I I guess I'm there no if you don't realize this she is quote the chair she's not just on the board she's the chair of the evangelical advisory board to Donald Trump's administration so she's in charge of that system of who's supposed to be giving spiritual guidance to our president and she's the one who gave the invocation at his inauguration was her a supposed female pastor is that allowed by God? Is that right? Is 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 that no? It's not. God's word's very, very plain, right? She is not a pastor. You can lay that claim on yourself. You can have other people say that you are. You can say God gave you a vision that you are, and I don't care what you say. God says no. And what's concerning is our presence being surrounded by these kind of people who, if you can, if you get it wrong on that, and that's obvious in scripture, I'm gonna to turn to another text. What else are you blowing in his ear that probably isn't a very good representation of Christianity? That to me breaks my heart. I'm glad that there's a spiritual advisory board that, that seems to be of the Christian flavor. I'm, I'm glad it's not Hinduism, or I'm glad it's not what went on with the previous administration that certainly seemed to curry favor to the, the uh, Islam and the Muslim community, including the Muslim Brotherhood. Okay, but man, it's just like, oh, come on, you gotta be kidding me, not these this is not a good representation of Christianity now let me give you another one to show you just how obtuse it is now uh, your Bible there first Timothy chapter 3 turn there I got to hear my text but turn there right this is right after what we just saw Paul clearly says that a woman uh, is not permitted to to have authority over a man which clearly means pastor now if you don't think that's even clear just keep reading just keep reading the very next chapter Now, let's read verses uh, 1 through 7, 1 Timothy chapter 3, okay? Notice that you're going to notice a particular pronoun here, repeatedly, right? Here's what it says. Here's a trustworthy saying. If anyone aspires to be the office of an overseer, what's overseer? It's the Greek episkopos, okay? It means overseer, a a bishop, or like the office of an elder. They're all synonymous, so basically an elder. Now, why is that important? Because scripturally, a pastor is an elder. So basically, you're talking about qualifications for a pastor is what's going on here. So if you aspire, hey, that's great. What's it say? She desires a noble task? No, what's it say? He desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer, i.e. pastor, must be above reproach. The wife of one husband? No, what's it say? The husband of one wife. Anybody starting to notice a pattern? We haven't got, we got a long ways to go. Uh, Sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well, with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he take care of God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be a well-thought-of out. Siders so that he may not fall into disgrace into the snare of the devil now for those of you hooked on counting The male masculine pronoun was used there ten times and then you throw in the word husband, which implies a male that's 11 In just seven verses and what is the basic biblical rule of interpretation anytime you see something repeated in scripture What's it God doing pay attention? right? We've said this so many times before. All of God's word's important for us, but there's certain things that he really wants us to get. He wants us to get all of it, of course. Don't take that, you know, uh, in a crazy way. But uh, uh, for instance, God is not just holy. He's what? He's holy, holy, holy. He says it three times for emphasis. Why? Because that's a core thing of his character. You've got to understand the holiness of God. That's why it understands why there's a hell, why there's a wrath of God, why there is a punishment for sin. And then when you understand the holiness of God, it sure makes the grace of God that much sweeter, the love of God. Woo! Because you know what you deserve because you've impugned the holiness of God. That, that's, that's three times, and that's important. Eleven times here. Eleven times. Do you think that's important? And again, did we have to go into some secret hidden language to figure this out? Was this so, uh, we had to spend eight days of studying in this passage and that just, it's so hard and complicated. No, just like the previous verse in the previous chapter, it's very clear. Just like here, it's all male masculine, whether it's the issue of authority and then the qualifications it's clearly male, 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 male. So this lady, Paula White, I'm sorry, with all due respect, is not a pastor. You can call yourself all you want. You're not a pastor. Women are not called to be pastors, okay? The question of women serving as elders slash pastors is not a matter of chauvinism. It's not a matter of men being superior to women. It's God's order. God restricts the office of a pastor to men only because that's how he structured the church to function based on the Genesis account, the creation order. And just as God has called men to be leaders of the home, and how many times do we hear, even from ladies, and frankly, rightly so, I wish the men would lead in the home. I wish I had a godly husband. I wish I had a man that would be that spiritual leader home. And we all get that. And then all of a sudden, when it comes to men also called to lead in the church, oh, no, women could do it. I said, what? Well, is that what you're doing at home? you trying to wear the spiritual pants of the family? We're out of order, okay? And and that's what he appeals to, that godly men are to serve as leadership with godly women who are also to serve, because we're all supposed to serve Christ, but in less authoritative roles, okay? God is very clear that women are not to be pastors. Oh, by the way, last time I checked, mm, the church was created by who? God, Um, and the church is the part of the body of Christ, who is God, and God is the one who died on the cross to make the church possible, and God is God, by the way, and I'm thinking maybe God makes up the rules. Hey, can anybody, yeah, isn't that amazing? I think that's common sense. You may not like it, but you have to trust what God says. I opened up in prayer. Name one command in the scripture that's bad for us. Well, what about this one? No, they're all for our good. You may not understand it. Our culture might reject it. But God says, it is for your good. I know what I'm doing. He created male and female. He created the church. He created a husband and wife. He created... Fe- he cre- I think he knows what he's doing. Just do what he says. He never gets it wrong. You realize that. Okay, but for some reason, I think it's because the, the issue, of course, of our culture is feminism. But as we're gonna see if we can get that far... Uh, it, st- it stems back to the fall of man, the curse in Genesis chapter 3. Uh, but we'll get that. But, okay, so you could sit there, I could sit there, we just read just two verses. And there's other ones, you could read the parallel passage in Titus, okay, the next book's over there, okay. And and, and, and say, listen, t- just read this for me, will you? It says right here, you're not supposed to have authority over men. Okay, it's God's design. He, 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 I'm not laughing. He, 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 okay. <laughs> and the husband, right, this is good. And then invariably, oh, Here's where the games play. And they come up with all kinds of objections. I want to deal with them, okay, because this, is again, is a hot button. Now, the first thing they'll typically say is the reason why Paul said this, because you can't get around this in the Word. That's what the Bible says, that men are to be pastors. The first thing they'll say, well, that was just in the first century when women were uneducated. Really. So it's just the issue that, one, that uh, it's uh, uneducated at that time. But because we got schools today, then somehow that supersedes God's word. Now, did Paul mention anything about an educational status in this passage, in the context? No, it has nothing to do with that. Oh, and by the way, if the qualification for an elder, i.e. pastor, in order to fulfill that function, had to do specifically with an education, but then that's a game, how much education, who's the education, what education, but whatever. um, Then, think about that, then the majority of Jesus' disciples, guess what? would not be qualified because they were just guys that were fishermen, average guys. They didn't have an education as far as we know. In fact, when they went, oh, remember that? Remember that in scripture? Uh, when they, uh, after the resurrection of Christ and uh, they go back to uh, the, the uh, Jew, uh, Jewish ruling elite, right? And they came back in, they spoke God's word with power, remember that, by the spirit of God, right? And what was their, their, their uh, thing? They said, "Well, okay, get out of here, we gotta talk. They said, well, who are these guys? Where'd they learn this wisdom? These are these uneducated Galileans. They, who, these are guys, to use the word, please don't take this in offense. The these are these are hicks from Arkansas living up on the hills. Wait, they're not like city folk like us. How do they know all this stuff? That's really what was going on. So if you're saying this is an education issue, because oh, they can do it, it was just them because they didn't have seminaries and Bible colleges. But but that, that's ridiculous. Has nothing to do with the context there then they'll say oh no no it was just Paul was only doing that uh, in Ephesus it just applied to Ephesus okay and, and, and just the women just in that town and what they'll say the reason why they'll say that is because first Timothy was written to you could say it Timothy you're, you're confident tonight Timothy and he was in Ephesus he was a pastor in Ephesus at that time when Paul's right now okay now Ephesus was known for the temple to Artemis okay, and uh, Artemis of the Ephesians, you may have heard that, okay, and in that temple worship, there was females that led in that paganism, whatever, and so the theory goes that, well, see, Paul was just reacting just specifically to Ephesus there in that town, and that and their pagan worship of this deity, uh, was led by females, and so the church needs to counteract that, just in Ephesus, to be different, but it doesn't apply everywhere else. No, again, that doesn't fit the context. By the way, Paul doesn't mention Artemis uh, in this passage or nothing. It, it, it completely doesn't fit. Now they'll keep going. They'll say, "Well, no, no. See, what Paul's dealing here with is uh, he's only referring to husbands and wives. That yeah, the guy's supposed to lead in the home, right? Okay, uh, and she shouldn't try to usurp that authority, right? But the church is free he, He's not even talking to the church." What are you talking about? He's talking to Timothy, who's a pastor of a church, clearly talking about church issues and church qualifications for church leadership. What are you talking about? There's nothing in that context that restricts it to just husbands and wives, okay? Then they'll say, oh, well, God says that men and women are equal in his eyes. Well, yeah, he does say that. But what's that got to do with Roles in the church of authority and pastor for men and not for wh- what? And what they do is they want to bring up Galatians three, which is a fantastic verse, right? Uh, that in Christ, that what? There's neither Jew nor Greek, male nor female, slave nor free. We're all one in Christ. And so somehow that's a justification why you have female pastors. No, the context there is completely uh, different. Galatians is dealing with equal access to salvation, right? Paul, here in Timothy, is dealing with church leadership. It's not the same thing. Oh, and by the way, if you're going to say that Galatians 3, which has nothing to do with church leadership, uh, supersedes 1 Timothy 2 and 3, not to mention Titus, that forbids female pastors, then you're basically saying that those passages are wrong, and this one supersedes it. But guess what you just created in the Scripture? Error, a contradiction. And does God contradict himself? No, they don't cancel out each other. They're they're completely both right because God's always right. It's just this one's dealing with salvation and unity in Christ. This one's dealing with church leadership. But that becomes your justification, uh, supposedly. Uh, The authority, here's another one that they'll bring up. They'll say, well, we see an example uh, that we see in the scripture and in the Old Testament. This one's really popular. In the Old Testament. There was women that God used in these positions, and that's why we can have female pastors today. All right, let's take a look at that. Usually what they'll bring up is a couple ladies, Miriam, Deborah. Okay, they'll bring up uh, Holda. If you get on, hold on a second, I'll say that again. Holda, you guys are just, did you eat chicken tonight? What's going on here? I'm excited. I'm glad to be back in this study. But uh, (laughs) it wasn't that bad, but anyway, maybe it was. But anyway, so, okay, well, let's take a look at that. Uh, First of all, what's the key word there? Old... It runs with old. Go ahead and say it. Old Testament. So, as far as how we function as New Testament Christians, we go by the rules in the Old... No, we don't. And I'll get to that in a second. But let's take a look at those ladies. Okay, yeah. So, there were ladies in the Old Testament, okay, Uh, uh, which is God's paradigm for the jewish people okay uh that they did they they were models of faith and courage and i don't discount what they did and god did use them mightily i don't discount that okay but authority of women in the old testament is not relevant to the new testament issue of pastors in the new testament church that's why it's called the new testament or the new covenant as opposed to the old testament or the old covenant that means something changed and part of that change was a dynamic okay And Oh, by the way, and then why would you cherry-pick, and they do this all the time, why do you cherry-pick a a couple verses or an example of the Old Testament and then dump that into New Testament reality and say that as New Testament Christians, we got to follow that? By by the way, Paul says, if you put yourself back under the law, you're obligated to what? Obey the whole law. You can't just cherry-pick. But let's play that game. If you want to cherry pick and say, well, this is my justification for female leadership because we got Miriam, Deborah, and Hulda in the, in the Old Testament. All right. Well, guess what you're obligated to do now? You got to obey the whole thing. So that means we got to start sacrificing animals every time you sin. Talk about going broke again, right? right? And then we got to ha- and, and do the priesthood. We got to build a temple. We got to go through all that stuff. And we got to go through all these rituals, right? And we got to, our, nobody would do that. But that's what you're saying. If you're going to use that and put us under the law, the Old Testament law, then you, you can't have it both ways. You're cherry-picking down the Scripture, okay? The Old Testament examples are dealing with that time frame of the nation of Israel, which is not the same as the New Testament church today. But then they'll say this, oh, yeah? Well, let me give you a couple of New Testament examples. And this, again, supposedly becomes their argument why we have, can have a female pastors. And they'll say, Priscilla, hmm? And Phoebe and the New Testament Well, oh, okay let's take a look at that because they are in the New Testament right so we dealt with that okay that can't use the Old Testament but these ladies are in the New Testament so let's take a look well Acts 18 you have the account of Priscilla and Aquila uh, her husband and it does say there that they instructed Apollos in a more excellent way we see that Acts uh, 18 okay but look at the context does it and not just the context but anywhere in the scripture did it say that Priscilla pastored a church nowhere now did she serve in the church yeah uh, are all women called to serve in the church yeah Are all men called? or is everybody called to serve in the church of course it's, we do this whole issue of spiritual gifts but it never once said that ladies are called and Priscilla was pastoring a church it doesn't say that it doesn't say that she became a leader of a congregation of saints so again you're you're, you're cherry-picking you're taking something out of there uh, as well then they'll say Phoebe and it says right there in the Bible, Romans 16, 1, that Phoebe was called to be a deacon, diakonos in the Greek, which means servant, in the church. Okay? And, uh, but okay, let's take a look at that. Uh, by the way, is a deacon, and there's a debate on whether or not that necessarily meant the office of a deacon, because, again, the word diakonos is also translated servant. That's what the word means, a, a shuffle of the dirt, a waiter, somebody who serves. So you, you define it by the context, but whatever. Even if you want to say that, uh, is the office of a deacon the same thing as a pastor? No, a pastor is an elder, not a deacon. And so th- they're not the same thing. So again, you can bring it up all you want. Oh, by the way, uh, who also set the standard there is Jesus. Why is it that when he began the process of calling people to himself, which eventually led to the church, And as we're now reading about church leadership and god's structure who makes up the rules which apostle was a woman which apostle was ever a woman so here we have even jesus who's he choosing for leadership men always men why it goes back to the genesis account with the creation order Okay, it's always been uh, that aspect. And again, it goes back down to the order of creation. One guy says this, many women excel in gifts of hospitality, mercy, teaching, because the scripture says you can still teach, not saying you don't have a gift of teaching, but the scripture says the older women teach the younger women. You can certainly teach children, not saying you can't teach, not saying you can never handle the word of God. doesn't say that. What we're talking about is having authority over a whole congregation, i.e. a pastor. That's just the rub, that's it. But you, you you got gifts of hospitality, mercy, teaching, evangelism, helping, serving. Much of the ministry of the church revolves around, guess who? Women. Women are greatly needed in the church. More the merrier. But for some reason, our world has got us hung up on this one thing. And to me, I think it's sad because it's a distraction. You're so focused, I've got to be a pastor, I've got to be a pastor, I'm a pastor, I'm a pastor. Where, is you, who, you're, you're a chauvinist pig, you're this and that, and then you and here. Well, look at the Old Testament, look at it. and the whole time, guess what you're not doing? You're not using the actual gifts that you got from God just to help them serve the church. Oh, by the way, do you think that's providing unity in the body of Christ? That's one of those classic things that just divide a church right down the middle. And that ain't from God. But again, this isn't something that's hidden in the scripture we can never know. It's plain. It's just we're listening to our culture instead of the word of God. And he tells us repeatedly, listen, I know you may not like it, but trust me, I'm God. I know what I'm doing. Have a great day. But we rebel against that, right? Uh, Again, women are encouraged to teach other women. Uh, They can teach children. The only activity restricted is from having the spiritual authority over men, which means they cannot be a pastor. This does not make women less important. It rather gives ministry focus. Well, that's one area guess what you don't have to worry about so hone in on these areas that God's gifted with and like all Christians get busy serving have a great day why does it have to become a knockdown drag out especially when it's very simple in the scripture Uh, doesn't mean that ladies are less inferior or less intelligent that's not the case it's just simply the way that God has designed the church to function okay and uh, women being restricted from spiritual teaching over men is not a punishment Again, it's just a refocusing on what gifts you do have. Like all Christians, just get busy serving. But with that said, the charismatic movement says, no, nope, I don't care. Even though it's plain, even though I tried to bring up some scriptures, every single one was based out of what? Out of context. So I don't care. I don't care what, because it, really, listen, after you go through that and you bring out the scripture, And then what scriptures they bring out, which is a twisting and out of context. And they still don't want to believe this. You know really what they're saying? I don't care what scripture says. This is what I want to do. And they might even try to spiritualize it. This is what God's called me. God hasn't called you to do that because God's restricted that. And then isn't that the ultimate irony? Here you are saying that God's called you to be a pastor. To teach the word of God to the whole congregation. Have authority over even men. And yet, in essence, your principle is saying, I don't care what God's word says. Do you see a problem with that? Because that's really what's going on there. Okay, but let's take a look real quick at a video. I'm not the only one who holds to this position.
2: Let's take a look at uh, this clip. Can a woman be a pastor or preacher? There is perhaps no more hotly debated issue in the church today than the issue of women serving as pastors or preachers. As a result, it is very important to not see this issue as men versus women. This is not an issue of chauvinism or discrimination. It is an issue of biblical interpretation. The word of God proclaims, a woman should learn in quietness and full submission. I do not permit a woman to teach or to have authority over a man. She must be silent. In the church, God assigns different roles to men and women. This is a result of the way mankind was created and the way in which sin entered the world. God, through the Apostle Paul, restricts women from serving in roles of leadership and or having spiritual authority over men. This precludes women from serving as pastors over men. Why should women not teach or have authority over men? Because Adam was created first, then Eve, and Adam was not the one deceived, it was the woman who was deceived. Verses 13-14 through 14. God created Adam first and then created Eve to be a helper for Adam. The order of creation has universal application in the family and in the church. Many women excel in gifts of hospitality, mercy, teaching, evangelism, and helps. Much of the ministry of the local church depends on women. The Bible nowhere restricts women from exercising the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Women, just as much as men, are called to minister to others, to demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit, and to proclaim the gospel to the lost. So can women be pastors or preachers? Now, according to the Bible, women are not allowed to serve as pastors over men. That does not change the fact that God uses women in powerful and amazing ways to accomplish great things in the Kingdom of God.
1: Which to me is, I think, the unfortunate thing. It's very clear in the Scripture, but for some reason, we get tricked into getting hung up on this one thing, and it does two things. It causes division basically wherever it goes, when people don't want to submit to the Scripture, and number two, the whole time you're doing that, and that's your, that's your one-track pony, and you got to convince, and you got to ram it through, and you got to cram, you're not serving Jesus Christ. You're not helping the church. And it's sad. It's unfortunate. Uh, now, let's get real quick this issue. Well, why is this being so pushed, right? And, and, and again, believe it or not, it has to do with, okay, I think a lot of it's the, the influx of feminism in our culture. But feminism is not a blessing. Uh, feminism... Uh, is basically done a lot of things that uh, obviously disagree with God's word. Uh, uh, certain things we would agree, we would agree, and scripturally, that women should not be discriminated against. Uh, we are against certainly violence against, against women, so uh, in one aspect, that's I don't disagree with that. But feminism has a habit of frequently contradicting scripture, specifically when it comes to roles of women. And that's where the problems begin. Uh, Feminism uh, is out there to protect a woman's so-called right to kill her child. Okay, God certainly disagrees with that, and all Christians should. Uh, Their right for lesbianism. Uh, And and again, their right that they should be able to rule uh, in the home and the church wherever. Well, that's not what God says, and that's where the problem is. But this spawns back, believe it or not, uh, back to the Genesis 3 account. Okay, uh, if you're not familiar with this when God created Adam and Eve He, he designed a productive pers- perfect balance between the leadership of man and the supportive role of a woman in marriage When Adam and Eve sinned though God's perfect plan was perverted by the depravity of hearts We inherited that sin nature of men and women Adam sinned by stepping out from underneath God's authority Right? When he ate of the forbidden fruit, Eve chose to reject the authority of both Adam and the Lord, and the consequences is now the relationship between the two uh, has been messed up ever since. Right? And how many of you people have been married long enough, even as Christians, to realize it's not perfect every single day? You know why? Get this. Is this on tape? Okay. You know why there's been challenges in my marriage over 25 years? Well, chicken's obvious. Okay. I'd say preach it, sister, but I don't want people to think that I'm advocating female pastors. But uh, (laughs) It's because I married my wife who has a sin nature. (laughs) Can you believe that? Oh, and you know why she's had challenges? Because she married somebody with a... Sin nature too, right? Because of the curse, the relationship that was there that was in perfect harmony is messed up. Well, it's the same thing. Now, listen to this. Uh, Genesis 3.16 records, and this is why Paul with Timothy goes back to the creation account. Here's the order. God's bringing that initial order, reminding us from the Genesis account how it's supposed to be with the male headship, okay, and applying not just for the home, but also for the church. But here's the problem. Genesis 3.16 says, here's what God told Eve. Your, yet your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. Now, in the Hebrew there, the word there for desire is not of a good connotation, like, oh, I desire him. He's so incredible. Well, thank you very much. But that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about the Hebrew word there is to conquer or to overcome. It's the same word that's used in Genesis 4, 7 when it's talking about the sin and what it was going to do to Cain. Quote, sin is crouching at the door, and its desire is for you, but you must master it. So that's not a good desire. What it means is that it's, it's after you. It's trying to conquer you, okay? So from that time on, one of the, listen, expressions of sin in women would be the desire, i.e. the tendency to break out of God's intended supporting role, Okay, i.e. I am going to rule over the man. That's what's going on here. But that's not God's blessing. That's part of the curse, and then, of course, you can flip it around. Man's sinful tendency would be to neglect the responsibility as the spiritual leader to love and care for your wives, and in, uh, or if you do lead, you do it in a detrimental way, you dominate them. And that's not God's design either. But this whole desire that I've got to usurp the authority of the, the woman, I've got to be in charge, basically the rallying cry of feminism that's even affected the church, that's part of the curse, right? And God's not gonna bless that. But let me give you some other ones uh, that they'll do. These people will take this so far. Again, I said, they'll say, oh, no, ladies are not even called uh, to just be a pastor. But, man, they're called to be apostles, sister apostle so-and-so, or prophetess, right? And they're called to bring this great word from you. Let me give you just one example out there, okay? And this is supposed to be representing you and I, the evangelical Christian, with all due respect. Let's take a look.
3: When you get four prophecies in the room, you gotta get ready because an explosion is gonna happen. The night is a night for people that are ready
0: to receive.
3: Oh Oh my God, this is real. Come on. There's a
0: prophet in the city.
1: No, there's some heretics in the city, right? Now, I'm just giving an example because the same thing, those kind of attitudes and those behavior in the charismatic community is done by so-called female pastors, which are really not pastors, but whatever. But now you're getting to a so-called apostle and prophets. Now, the double no-no with that is, again, you're putting women in that position of authority, but when you get specifically, we already dealt with this. I'm not going to go that deep again, but we already dealt with when it comes to the office of apostle or prophet, is that even in function today? No. But even when it was in function today, okay, the apostles, again, you're looking at uh, men, but that that... Isn't there? And again, Jesus chose the 12 apostles, re-elected one after Judas, even that they are all were men. But whatever. So it's like a double no-no. Oh, by the way, uh, you're expecting God to bless this? This is out of order. This is not what God's word is. Now, that was a clip, that was a promo clip from a show called Preach that was actually being aired on Lifetime Channel. Right? And this was supposed to be a new way, and these so-called lady apostles and whatever jumped on. Yeah, let's show them what we can do. Well, uh, do you think it had God's blessing? No. Quote, uh, preach was canceled after 15,000 people signed a petition for the network to end it. And I quote, the imagery on this show is a travesty to the Christian community. The women, a.k.a. prophetesses, are making a mockery of the church and promoting foolish behavior that is not necessarily a true representation of the real power of God. By airing this show, it will cause more harm than good to the Christian community who already uh, has a difficult time in sharing the good news of Jesus Christ to the masses. And I would say amen and amen. But they petitioned 15,000, get that off the air. That is so wrong. And not just the issue of church leadership, but that's not a good representation. For, we've got a hard enough time as it is. Come on. But the world seems to want to pick up on that. Okay, but let me give you a couple more because they won't stop there. See, if, if, if you point out the scripture and, and they still don't say, oh yeah, well, I've got scripture. And then you counter their scripture and say, well, that's not the context and that's not what is. You're pulling this out wrong. They'll resort to typically what's called this. And that is character assassination. Now, if you're, any, if you're familiar with anything that has to do with uh, traditional public debates, everybody, including the audience, knows that at the moment that one of the two people in the debate, when they resort to character assassination, they lost. And some people do it after the first point because they ain't got nothing to answer. Oh, you're just a wacko. You're crazy. Nobody would believe you. Blah. Everybody just goes, oh, well, you're done. Well, and this is basically what they do. They, they can't prove it scripturally. They try to bring up scripture. You bring scripture to, s- look at the scripture they're quoting and say, no, it's out of context. It's not what it's saying. They'll resort to character assassination. And the big one they come up with is you're just a big old giant male show. pig." was big. That's what you are. That's why you don't believe in female pastors. You're just one of those women haters. Well, last time I checked, I, I married a woman. And me personally, I don't know about, maybe you men were different, but I didn't go up to my wife at the time or before, you know, when we were dating. I didn't say, you know what? I hate you. Would you marry me? Because <laughs> I'm a woman hater. Come on, you woman hater. What does that got to do with, we're quoting scripture. All you're doing is assassinating the character. And that will come out right out of the gate. So, oh, you don't believe in women past? You're a woman hater. You're a male show's pig. Or when you go through that, that's their, that's their last card they throw out. You're a hater. You're a pig. No, I'm just preaching the Bible. I'm just teaching the Bible. I'm just quoting the Bible. So again, that, that has nothing to do with that, but they'll throw it out there. And they'll say, listen, I know that you're wrong because God has called me a woman to be a pastor. And again, as we saw before in this community, when somebody resorts not to the Bible and they resort to a feeling or an experience, or I just know that I know that I know, that I know that I know that I know, in the deepest core of my heart of heart of hearts. You've heard that, right? I just know. Well, with all due respect, I don't care what you know. Right? If I want to know something's true or not, I'm going right here. Because feelings and experiences are fleeting. They're up and down. You can't trust them. Oh, by the way, I don't have to wonder if your heart was heart of heart of the heart You go back to the Word. But they'll say that. Then they'll say, that. oh, yeah, and they'll get pragmatic. Well, well, how could you say this is wrong when there's so many female pastors, quote-unquote, out there, and they've got successful ministries? Really? So a growing number of people congregating together is a universal sign of God's blessing. Let's examine that, shall we? Uh, The so-called Mormon church, which are not Christians, uh, they're growing faster than many Christian denominations. Is that a sign of God's blessing? Did you know that Islam is growing way faster than Christianity? Is that mean because God's blessing their socks off? No. So numbers or the amount of congregants congregating around a spiritual leader uh, is not anything that has to do with it. Well, some people get saved. Well, Isaiah 55 says, so is the word that goes out from the mouth. It will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for what I have sent. Uh, the power is in God's word, not the messenger. Right? And people say, well, I went to a Benny Hinn crusade and, and I did get healed. Well, in spite of Benny Hinn, because he's a false teacher and a heretic, right? God may have honored, in spite of him, uh, your faith and trust in him. And that was one of those times when he chose to heal you. But it wasn't because of Benny Hinn. And it wasn't condoning Benny Hinn, right? It's the same thing that goes on here, right? And basically what they're saying is, I don't care what the Bible says, that's just what I feel, that's what I believe, and folks, that's a dangerous place to be. Now, let me go back to the one issue, okay? Because again, this premise of this lady is she's supposed to be a pastor. And she's not only supposed to be a pastor, and as we've seen, there's no way you can have that from the scripture. What is the double sad note here is she's the one who's in the ear of our president. No! Again, I wish it was somebody, please. Anyway, it's just not good. Now, the basis of her being so supposedly called to be a pastor, let me read that account. It was 1984 when she, quote, converted to Christianity uh, at uh, a church of God, which is full of false teachings, and that's where you get your charismatic root from. But she, quote, later claimed that she received a vision from God shortly after her conversion. When I was just 18 years old, the Lord gave me a vision that every time I opened my mouth and declared the word of the Lord that there was a manifestation of his spirit where people were either healed, delivered, or saved. But if I shut my mouth, they fell off into utter darkness, and God spoke to me and said, I've called you to preach the gospel. Well, can I tell you something? That wasn't God. Because God doesn't contradict himself, and he's not going to call you to be a pastor because he says that ain't going to happen. So mistake number one. But the whole premise of this is because you had a feeling. Or supposed vision. But listen, even if you had a feeling, even if you had a vision, you're supposed to line anything up with what? God's word. And if it contradicts God's word, and this is an easy one to find, then guess what? You go, whew, boy, I almost got duped on that thing. Last time I go to KFC, I had a bad dream. I had a bad that wasn't from God. I'm glad I'm not listening to that voice. But no, God told me tell you this is what happened to me and this is the whole basis that's your whole basis really now again people say well it's got to be from God because it's successful did you realize that sometimes Satan and I'll use this word blesses in order to promote that which is false it's not always a sign of God's blessing think about that why do these word of faith ministries we'll get into this Lord in much greater detail next time but why do they seem to prosper It's because the whole system's built around sending them money, right? But they're looked upon as successful. Look at these guys. I mean, surely it's working, yeah, for them. But whatever. But is that an automatic sign of God's blessing? Just because these guys have million-dollar jets and giant palatial mansions? No. Who do you think would want to propagate that heresy? Who's the father of all lies? Satan. So maybe again it's not always a sign of God's blessing but anyway but her uh, thing she started this uh, church there in Florida uh, with her then spouse Randy White uh, back in the 90s Uh, By in the 2000s they were up to 20,000 people the largest congregation in the area the seventh largest in the United States Uh, between 2004 2006 they received up to 150 million dollars okay and uh, so again, you start saying, you got to send me this, and so we'll see this, and put, I'll wear you money, and this, and, oh, by the way, did you know somewhere in green in honor of money being the thread of what we're, t- yeah, whatever. Uh, but anyway, uh, uh, her personal life, with all due respect, is not good, she's been married three times, uh, her first marriage dissolved right after she got saved. Okay, but whatever. But then she met another guy, Randy White. That's who they started the the church together with. Uh, He was divorced from his first wife at that time. He was trying to revive his career as a preacher evangelist because he got divorced, okay? Uh, Then they got divorced in 2007. And then uh, in 2014, she meets one of the band members of the secular rock group, Journey. Uh, He eventually got divorced from his second wife and then engaged to... uh, her, Paula White, and then on uh, 2015, they got married. Her husband right now is a band member from Journey. Maybe he's a Christian, I don't know. But you're on your third marriage on top of all this stuff, with all due respect. Uh, But her Paula White show, you're like, well, how in the world did she get into Trump's ear? Well, it was her show. Her show, uh, she started Paula White today. You got 150 million bucks, You, you can do some stuff. Okay, And it was aired on Daystar, uh, uh, BET, uh, and also Trinity Broadcasting Network, or TBN, or the Total Blasphemy Network, whatever you want to call it. Uh, And and then that's where Donald Trump, before he became president, I don't know if he was channel flipping or whatever, he came across her show. That's how they got hooked up. He first made contact with her by telephone in 2002. He went on to bring her often to Atlantic City for private Bible studies. He's appeared on her television show. Listen, her, Paula White, was credited in June 2016 by James Dobson as having converted Trump to Christianity. Oh, how I wish that were true. Maybe it is. I don't know. But my concern is, wait a second. So here you are, your whole basis of being a pastor is completely unbiblical, and Your authority is being demonstrated that you don't care what God's word says. You're going to be in that position regardless, even though it's easy in the scripture to find that you shouldn't do that. And it's based on experience. Your personal life ain't looking good. I'll just leave it at that. Okay. But if you're going to turn away from that obvious biblical truth, and then you're a big proponent of this prosperity, false gospel. It's not the gospel. That we're guaranteed riches and wealth and whatever what kind of gospel were you so supposedly preaching to president trump i don't know i'm just saying it ain't looking good of all candidates to have in his ear to explain quote the gospel you know how often it is today people's version of the gospel is not even the gospel and i'm not even saying hey come to jesus he'll give you a a cadillac you just got to have enough faith and sow seed in my ministry and that's whatever is, is that what she shared with him i don't know Or could it be just the the fluffy one? Come to Jesus and and just acknowledge that God loves you. And you'll be saved. That's not the gospel. You just walk an aisle and you just acknowledge that that, that God's real and he's your heavenly father. and, And he wants you to come to a relationship with him. Okay. There's no acknowledgement of his holiness. There's no acknowledging a sin. There's no acknowledging I cast my eternal soul, my destiny on the sacrificial work of Jesus Christ on the cross. There's none of that stuff. So what so-called gospel was she given to him? Well, if it's anything what she preaches, the gospel, it's not good, the prosperity gospel. Let me give you a couple of examples of what she does. She's actually known in the charismatic community, and I'll use this word, other people have used it, a prosperity pimp. And that basically she's so good at drumming up money and getting people to give money that other ministries will have her come in to speak just so she can do, be the one doing the offering. Because in her technique, one of her techniques is she'll find a so-called verse in the Bible and quote, God told me that's what you're supposed to give right now in order to enjoy his blessings first time I saw it I kid you not it was years ago I think I was still in Bible college and uh, uh, and it was like pr- probably a TV and broadcast or whatever and she was on there I kid you not it was something like Psalm eighty three seventeen. 17 God told me to tell you I had this vision and in the Word of God came to me uh, not that just something in my head and then which is the problem, and, and, so, and, and, and he's telling me to tell you right now through the TV that you need to give $83.17. If you uh, Psalm 83.17, if you'll sow a seed for $83, and that's what she's known for. Now, over the years, she's getting to larger and larger chapter numbers. Yeah, oh, Pastor Tom, she's gone even beyond that. Watch this one. Here's just one example.
0: When I was here for one hour loose, I did not expect to receive an offering. And the Lord gave me a word, Psalm 126. And The Lord spoke, everyone was to give $106. That when you sow in tears, you're going to reap a joy. And those that bear precious seed, that you bring precious seed. Because when you're weeping, when you're in the recovery process, seed is sacrificial. Okay. Seed sacrificial. And he said, you'll come back. And you'll bring back, I want you to hear this, you're going to bring back. And when you come back, you'll bear sheaves, you'll bear your harvest. The Lord spoke to me, and I say this humbly before the Lord. Because at one time to give this kind of seed wasn't a lot, but today it is an extreme sacrifice. The Lord said, Paula, you don't give 126, I want you to give 12,600. I said, that's so sacrificial. I obeyed God. Little did I know when I activated that seed and put it in the hands of First Lady and Bishop. That within just months, really within days, God would open up, He would open up and give the favor of the Lord that would bring forth a harvest that was absolutely impossible in the natural, but a situation that turned everything around for my life, for ministry, that God would position me strong going into 2011. I'm telling you right now, the anointing you sow into is the anointing you reap of. I want you to hear me. Without speaking to many, I want you to give a $126 offering. Somebody might be $1,260. Somebody might be $12,600. But this seed is the sealant.
1: No, the seed is the manipulative process that you have customized as a supposed word from God to rip people off their cash. Now, that was 2011. Back when I heard it, that was probably early 2000s and stuff. You know, times have changed. So Psalm 83, 17 don't work no more. I mean, you know, inflation... You know, I, I'm sitting here going like, man, let's just cut to the chase. There is a Psalm 150. <laughs> you know, just get a word from God. huh? We'll fix all kinds of problems. It's sad. Oh, but see, that was 2011. That was so 2011 ago, right? And we all know that, hey, inflation, it keeps going. And yeah, the economy is going good right now, but, but we need even more. Listen to her latest tactic. This was just from last year. But this is a non-Christian broadcast, and even they know how ridiculous this is. And not only that, listen to the end. The lady almost pleads with us, we need to speak up. And these aren't even Christians. We need to speak up and warn people who are being duped from this. But now, listen to her new technique, how much money you need to give because God told her to tell us. Watch this.
3: Donald Trump has a religious advisor. If you can recall, her name is Paula White, and she is one of these people who uh, has gotten incredibly wealthy through the prosperity gospel. She essentially uh, lies to a bunch of people and scams them into giving her a lot of money. And 2018 is no exception. Uh, she is now pushing for something known as first fruits, <laughs> which <laughs> sounds really weird. That's but what
1: Roy Moore wanted.
3: But we'll explain what it is, Um, I'm trying not to, let's not go off the rails here, okay? Okay, Let's talk about what first fruits really are. So uh, Paula White is urging her followers to donate a first fruits offering of up to their entire salary for the month of January to enjoy blessings for the rest of the year or suffer the consequences of failing to follow God's command. So Hmm. here's what she told her parishioners. Each January, I put God first and honor him with the first of our substance by sowing a first fruits offering of one month's pay. That is a big sacrifice, but it is a seed for the harvest, I am believing for in the coming year. And God always provide, what?
2: You better provide that- after you've given up a, a 12th of your salary.
3: She's trying to convince people to give her. A significant portion of their yeah. pay, and we're not talking about rich people. Like she's not hanging out with the Koch brothers and you know asking for you know They'll maybe a, a thousand calls. bucks at the beginning. Of the- no, she's yeah. like these parishioners are not wealthy people, and she's totally taking advantage of them. And look, I know that there are some members of the audience who think, well, if these people are not smart enough to avoid getting scammed, then they're getting scammed. That's on them. But you got to remember. Religion for a lot of people is something that they turn to when they need hope. And Mm -hmm. to know that they get exploited like this, you know, we should do what we can to help them.
1: What does the non-Christian community, what do they recognize with this behavior, even they know? We need to speak up because this is obvious manipulation And poor people typically are being ripped off at the expense of these people getting rich. The lost know this. Now, what's sad as we get ready to close is this so called Pastor White, she's not a pastor, Paula White, okay, is not only the chair of this board, but listen to who else is on this spiritual advisory board. Uh, Kenneth and Gloria Copeland, James Robeson. If you recall in our previous studies, he, along with Kenneth Copeland, are chumming up with the Pope, saying the Pope's the greatest guy ever. We need to work with the Catholic Church and all that stuff. He's on there. Tom Winters, if you don't know him, he represents Joel Osteen's church. But these are some of the people that are on this spiritual advisory board influencing our president. I said, like, no. One guy says this, speaking of this group, this is a den of wolves In this group they control major messaging platforms online print and mega churches around the country and so who will become the inside spokesman for this group and who they access within the White House this could be quote very bad for the rest of us Christians who was responsible also for vetting these people to be on this advisory committee and what role will that person have in the White House and quote am I the only one thinking Houston we have a problem yeah I'm glad that I'm president wants to have a so-called Christian advisory board, but I'm grieved that of all people, and I agree with this guy, how did these guys get on here? This is not a good representation of true biblical Christianity. That's not the kind of advice that I want our president to hear. And let's say all of a sudden he bought into this. I hope he doesn't. But what if President Trump started touting off some of this prosperity gospel? That would be the biggest laughing... He's got enough trouble as it is. It's crazy. It's sad. Okay? And again, God did not come to make us rich and healthy. He came to rescue us from hell. I hope that's what was shared with President Trump. I hope that's part of the gospel that they said he received back in 2016. But... I got my questions because if you're going to compromise on obvious teachings in the Scripture, on church leadership, and you're going to justify it on an experience, and then you're going to preach a false gospel called the prosperity gospel, I don't know what kind of gospel you supposedly gave him and what he supposedly responded to. But that's just the first one. Now, speaking of that, and uh, let us up into that, the second thing that we're gonna deal with it, that was the female pastors. We are going to, Lord willing, deal probably a whole message again, uh, this time on the prosperity gospel. It is not the gospel. But does God really want us perfectly healthy, totally wealthy? I don't think so. And then, Lord willing, just so you know where we're going, typically what you'll also get with the charismatic community is they teach that Christians can be demon-possessed. No, don't think so. But that's typically what goes on. And then, here's another way to make some money. It just so happens you teach the false teaching that Christians can be possessed, and they can't. But guess who has the panacea to get rid of those demons that you supposedly have? So-called charismatic deliverance ministers. And for a small fee, or large fee, that we can get rid of those demons for you, it's another money-making scheme. And it's unbiblical. And then typically, they also will teach in a lot of charismatic circles that you can lose your salvation. Now, that really starts to concern me because I'm going, wow, If you think you can work your way out of salvation, then how is that any different, the flip side of the same coin saying you're working for your salvation? If works can get you out of it, then you're saying it's works-based. Anybody glad for John 6? I'll just give you one verse. Jesus said, no one, including yourself, can snatch you out of my Father's hand. Works didn't put you in the Father's hands. Works ain't gonna take you out. Praise God for His full forgiveness of all of our sins, regardless of our works. Amen? All right, we'll get into that some other time. Well, hi, this is Billy Crone of Get Life Ministries, and I hope you were blessed with this study. But in closing, let me ask you one final question. If you were to die today, are you sure that you go to heaven and not hell? Before you answer that, let me share a couple of things that the Bible says. Did you know that the Bible says that God is holy and that we are not, and the wages of our sin or unholiness is death?
0: God bless.